It's DJ Hackside here. Starting a bit early today, as usual. I know usually my show starts at 1 p.m., but today we are starting early because I can take over the radio now. It's magic. So today I am unveiling the mask on one of Laurier's most popular social media platforms. Humans of Laurier, it's based off the uh, Humans of New York page that is very popular on social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. They have a whole bunch of stories about people in New York and around the world. But this is based off that, and they have, and uh, the person behind it has many stories from different students around Laurier, from business students to language students to music students, and it's a great time. So he's going to be on here very soon, but right, he's going to be here at 1 o'clock. But right now, we've got a local artist playing a little music for us here. We have Myth of Innocence with, with Miss Julie. That was Myth of Innocence with Miss Julie. I'm back here with the Bravo Sierra Hour. It's your favorite DJ, DJ Hacksaw. We are going to be having a very special guest on this hour. We have, we're going to have the host of the Humans of New York Laurier page. If you haven't followed them yet, go follow them on Instagram. It's an amazing page where you can hear lots of fun stories from different students around Laurier, from business students to DJs at Laurier who, who have been linking with lots of different people around different clubs and things like that. It's really honestly one of my favorite pages behind, uh, of course, Spotted at Laurier, which everyone loves. I've actually been featured on Spotted at Laurier a couple times, but uh, that's beside the point. It's honestly a great, uh, great time, and so you should definitely go follow him, and we'll be finding out more about uh, him. Now here's another local artist, all the way from Cambridge. We have Judas by Beaton. And we're back, folks. So like I said before, I'm having the host of the Humans of Laurier official uh, Instagram page on. It's going to be a great time because we're going to be talking about what he does with his Instagram. And he has a great Instagram, honestly. It's one of my favorite things to see because he's had many stories of just students around campus. Um, one of the stories which I found entertaining, well, they're all honestly very entertaining just because, you know, they're all great students from Laurier, but uh, one that I liked, um, he had this, uh, I can't tell if it's DJ or whatever, but he said uh, it was a student, um, uh, a Vaffles, I don't know how to say his name, but uh, he appears to be a uh, DJ of sorts, and um, he said, he always takes these amazing quotes from these students, he says, I didn't really... Uh, network too much in clubs, but, in, but as an international student, I networked more with the international office. I would go to their events, and how I found out about the, and that's how I found out about the market space. And then he goes on to talk about how he went to the, all these international meetings and stuff. It's just really cool to see all these stories. So he's gonna be on really soon with uh, uh, just all how he gets his process done, how he became an amazing photographer, and how he got into the uh, business of the Instagram in general. So. He'll be on in a couple minutes. Meanwhile, stay tuned. We have another song from Beacon here, Tired of Waiting. All right, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. I'm here with Ash, the host and 
I don't want to say create. Were you the creator of Humans of uh, Laurier? No, not not the creator, but I was the person who took over. I should say. All right. So what got you into Humans of Laurier? Because it's a really great uh, story sharing device for the students around Laurier. So what got you into that? Well, I would say I learned about it first from the original movement, the Humans of New York. And then that spread to universities, it spread all over the world. So when I got into Laurier last year, I looked at the, I, I saw that universities had like humans of Western, humans of Waterloo. I was like, okay, maybe Laurier should have one too. But uh, when I checked humans of Laurier, I found that uh, the last post was made over two years ago. So I was like, oh, maybe the person running it graduated. So mm -hmm. I guess... So I took the opportunity. I contacted the page. I was like, hey, is somebody still running this? Like, I would love to be part of it. And from there on out, like, the person responded within two or three days and said, hey, like, we don't have any photographers anymore. We don't have any people because they graduated. So I was like, okay, I can, can I take over? And they are like, for sure, go for it. And from there, it's, it's been like a blast, you know? So how do you find the people that you want to interview? Like, do they message you? Do you walk up to someone and say, hey, can I interview for you for my page? What, what's your process of that? Well, I would say it's a good mix of both. Like, for example, a lot of it is spontaneous. I will, like, I'll meet new people every week. I will go to new clubs. I will see, let's say, if something's happening in the concourse. Sometimes I'll interview people there if they have time. And sometimes I partner with, uh, how should I say, I partner with different movements. Like, for example, if something's happening in the concourse, I'll partner with an organization and promote them if they're promoting something good. So why do you think this is important for students in general? I would say it is really important because I think it's important to see diversity of different kinds of students that like Laurier or in general. So what I mean by that is I think what I learned right away was that everybody has such a complex and different lifestyle. Like, you may think that, oh, my life is kind of neat. I've been living all these years doing different things, but everybody's like that. And you yeah. realize, like, they're so talented. There's so many things that people put into the world. So I think it's important to share that. Now, have you ever had a story that was, like, mind-blowing? Like, wow, I didn't know someone could go through all that and come out like you, or just a story in general that was like, ooh, maybe I can't post that. Maybe too controversial or whatever. I would say I haven't experienced the controversial part yet, but I would say... Even recently, I think, about two weeks ago, I interviewed a student, right? I was just like, okay, this is just another student. But it turned out she was an exchange student from France who was here for, like, just the semester. So I, a five-minute interview turned up to be a 45-minute conversation. And I learned all about France. I learned about, how should I say, why she was here in the first place, what she thought about Laurier, and the importance of traveling. So it's really unexpected, I would say. Now, what is your ideal person to interview like? They have, like, just a story that snaps or just someone that says, oh, yeah, I love Laurier, that sort of thing. What's your ideal person to interview? I would say, in general, there's not too much of an idea. Like, I would say some people are a little bit against it. Like, mm -hmm. not everybody says yes, right? Not everybody wants to be on camera. Not everybody wants to be recorded. So it, it's like a 30% yes, 30% uh, no to 70% yes ratio. Honestly, as long as they're open, as long as they're willing to talk, it's it goes well from there. Now, you don't just do the Humans of Laurier thing. You also, you, we were talking, and you do, have also photographed some of the boxing clubs mm -hmm. stuff. Now, 
they have a fight going on soon, you told me? Yeah, so uh, how that works is I'm actually a part of the boxing club, and I'm also a part of a new magazine called Generation Magazine, uh, like Wilfrid Laurier University. So this year, like usually the boxing club is just training, and we just train and every year, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really usually go for a fight because it's kind of complicated, but this year we decided to have an actual fight with like Wilfred Laurier fighters. So I think we're picking up to three fights, something like that. And then there'll be like a simulated press conference. So I'll be covering that as someone who, as part of the Generation magazine. So, so is that like an actual card that they're putting on like, okay, these, this is who fight, who's fighting who, mm-hmm. you know, sort of do a hype and everything? Yes, of course. Yeah. That's what the press conference is for. We're hoping to make it a big event. Dates are not confirmed, but, uh, we're thinking sometime in March, and there's going to be like merchandise, stuff like that. And tell me more about this magazine that you're involved with, Generation, Generation X, was it? Oh, Generation Magazine uh, Laurier. So it recently was rebranded. It was under a different name. It was a magazine that was started, I think, last year, actually, for, how should I say, for it's basically like a fashion magazine for people that are a little bit different and like looking for a place to fit in with their different kind of fashion senses, etc. Right. And we're actually coming out with a printed book this year. Last year, or last semester, it was all online. But now we're going to print it out and, I should say, distribute it. So what drives you into photography? Because obviously a big part of what you do is just taking pictures. Well, not, I don't want to say just taking pictures, because you're very good at it. But what got you into this sort of photography? I would say what got me into photography is initially... I'd love to always like observe people. I'd always love to see what they, what was going on. I would like even in, back in high school, I would sit at the sit at, like park benches and see like life going on for like one two hours to see people going. So I was like, okay, maybe there must be a way to capture this kind of thing. So I thought like a photography that's pretty cool, right? But it is a bit of a hurdle at the beginning, especially if you don't know about photography, if you don't have the right equipment. So as soon as the university started. I got a DSLR, and then I looked for all opportunities that I could. Like, I did photo shoots with my friends, I joined the Laureate Photography Club, and I, I learned, and, like, opportunities came just like that. Like, I went from doing photo shoots for my friends to doing paid photo shoots to taking over Humans of Laurier, something I never thought I would be in charge of or be doing, like, it's a dream come true. So... As someone who, would you say you have a lot of knowledge of cameras? Because personally, I know the least squat about them. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what would you say is a good camera for, for beginners? Someone who, say, wants to take your path, but they don't really know about much about photography. What would you say is a good camera to start off? And how would you recommend someone start off in photography? Well, I would say, first, uh, I shoot with Nikon. I should make that clear. And then uh, there are two different types of cameras. Like, there's a crop filter camera versus a full frame camera. A full-frame camera is the professional cameras that they use, like, in photo shoots and stuff like that. Those mm-hmm. can cost thousands of dollars for the body alone, let alone, like, let alone the lenses. It's not really something a student could buy, really. Not at all, yeah. Especially not when they're starting out. So yeah. I would say a crop filter. Like, for me, I mine was a bit expensive, too. I would say photography is a bit of a steep hike at the beginning. I think with my lenses and my camera, it was around... Yeah. So it's something that I would say before you buy a DSLR, I would say experiment with your phone. Like before I did, before I started with the 
DSLR. I took pictures of landscapes, etc., with my phone itself. Like, there's a lot you can do just with that. You can change settings around just like you would do with the DSLR. Though, like, it's not the same, but you can get the kind of feel for it. Right. And then when you feel like, oh, this is pretty neat, like, I'm, I'm serious about this, then you can make a purchase. So I would recommend something like the DSL, like the Nikon D3300 or D3400, which is a beginner camera. I think it's around 500, 600, mm -hmm. something like that. Now, wh where do you hope to go with the photography? Like the Humans in New York page, obviously. Uh, not Humans in New York, great page, but uh, <laughs> Humans of Lori, obviously a great page, but I don't think you're, personally, I don't think you're going to be like, exploding yeah, worldwide with course, Humans of Glory. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, great page. I can see it going far. But where do you hope to go with your photography career? That's a good question, actually. I would say you're right. Like At the end of the day, Humans of Glory will be something that stays with Glory, and it will only expand as far as the Glory community. Right. So where I hope to go to photography, I should say uh, one thing I... Maybe I should make this clear first. One thing I got from Humans of Glory is like... How should I say? I lost that kind of fear to approach strangers, if right. that makes sense. So in the photography world, that is really, really important. Like, you have to be confident in the way that you approach people and the way that you, just even for pictures itself, yeah. because if you are tense, then you're not going to get a good photo from your subject, right? So to answer your question, I would say I would like to shoot for magazines later on. Like, I would like to shoot professionally for models, etc. Now, what type of modeling, like... When you say, I want to shoot for magazines, I have a bit of a dirty mind. That ins I instantly think he's going to be shooting for Playboy, anything else. Now, what? obviously, that's probably not the route you want to be taking. What what magazines would you ideally be wanting to shoot for? I would say probably Playboy is interesting, I should say. Yeah. But like, I would say maybe the ultimate goal would be something like Forbes or Vogue, something like that. Like, the kind of people you would encounter from those kind of magazines would be high profile people, mm -hmm. people that like have experienced different walks of life and then got there like Vogue and uh, Forbes is something I would say you would say oh I've made it yeah it's that kind of level you so, sort of like it's sort of like making it to the NHL for a hockey player it's exactly. like oh I've made it to Forbes yeah. I've shot pictures of Elon Musk yeah, and all exactly, that stuff right, yeah. who's one person that you would want to like take a picture of and then have a good conversation with afterwards that's a good question too See, you know, actually, Elon Musk is a good one. I would say either Elon Musk or somebody in the science community. I would say, besides photography, I'm really interested in space science and stuff like that. Right. So I'm looking for a way to connect my photography to space science. So Elon Musk would be a great example. So Stephen Hawking, if he was still alive, God yeah. bless his soul, that'd be sort of like another one that you'd want to interview almost? Of course, yeah. To, I think to have a conversation with him, if he was still alive, would be probably one of the greatest things. Like, the kind of intelligence and the kind of mind he has, like, that comes once in a century, you know? So, on the topic of space science, do you think aliens exist? And if so, why? I would say... That's a good question, too. I would say... I don't... Hmm, I can't say that they do or, like, don't exist completely. Like, I don't yeah. go around pe to people and go, like, hey, like, aliens exist, right? Yeah. Like, join me on a quest. But at the same time, like, if you consider it, like, I can't disprove disprove that they don't either. 
Yeah, in fact, there could probably be a good chance that they do. Like, the universe, uh, the world that we live in is so, like, vast and expansive. Like, we are but a small part of trillions and trillions and trillions of planets and, like, galaxies, etc. So, to say that we are the only form of intelligent life in the entire system, like, endless system, would be a little bit... Egotistical. Mm-hmm. Like, haha, we're so important, we're the only ones that are alive! Yeah. Because, like, we're just carbon forms at the end of the day, right? Like, yeah. we're not, I, I would say, we're not, like, as special as we would think. Yeah. Sure, we've done some cool stuff, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we're just masses of carbon. Exactly, yeah. right? Now, what, how do you think aliens would exist? Would they exist like us? Mm-hmm. Like, they've built buildings, they have different beliefs, stuff like that, or would they be, like, small bacteria living in pools on another planet? What do you think? I think that's a good question too. I feel like there could be one of two scenarios. Like right. maybe the first could be like a more explorative type. Like for example, and the second could be like more of an how should I say a scarier type. So the first type, I would say, let's say they're just starting off on different another planet. Like we can't reach them because like they don't have the technology, nor do right. we have the technology to reach them. And yeah. then. The second type would be, let's say, they do have that kind of technology, like they do have that kind of those kind of resources, and it's only a matter of time before we before they find us. If that makes sense, like, yeah. let's say NASA did send like a how should I say a spacecraft full of like different human artifacts, so that if aliens ever found it, like they could understand like our number system, our how we reproduce, how everything works yeah. for human systems, right? So, I feel like that could go, as I said, one of two ways. The thing is, okay, maybe I should backtrack a bit. Okay. I feel like it could also be a different kind of thing, too. We, like, you can think, oh, we as humans have lived on, like, Earth for this long, etc. We've built it up to how we are. We've already got to the stage of, like, VR, etc., right? Yeah. So... If we're the only ones, like, does that mean that there's, like, a cap? Like, for example, let's say another species, like, living on some random planet in mm-hmm. the universe. If they built it up to a point, and then they probably went farther than us, like, is there a cap where they just disappeared? Where, right. where say, like, they got too technologically advanced exactly. and their entire society just collapsed. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, like, even for human society, like, we've come so far in the past even 30 years, like, 40 years... 40 years ago, like, we were playing Pong, like, we were literally yeah. hitting, like, a pixel across the screen, now we have whole virtual reality, like, worlds or simulations. Like, you, you know? can go into the medieval ages and kill exactly. a dragon exactly. in VR. Yeah. And, like, you can go on the roller coasters and you feel like, oh, shoot, like, I am on that roller coaster, you know, or fly a helicopter, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, that brings up a different question altogether, like, maybe our world itself is, like, a simulator, you know what I mean? Sort of like the Matrix almost. Exactly. So, if you were in the Matrix, mm-hmm. would you be like Neo and try to free everyone? If you knew, like, if you had taken the red pill, <laughs> yeah. would you try to free everyone? Or would you be like the one uh, guy, Lucy, mm-hmm. or Cypher, sorry, Cypher. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, antidote for the devil. Mm-hmm. His name is Louis Cypher. Lucifer. Oh, okay. But I'm Crash. <laughs> the Jesus reference in the Matrix. <laughs> but uh, would you, or would you be like Cypher, like, I know I'm in the Matrix, but I like it here, because the world outside is complete garbage. <laughs> which which would you choose? I think 
it goes along with a saying, right? I think uh, at the end of the day, like ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Right? Like some people choose to. I mean, like I'm not saying that that's real, right? Yeah. But, uh, I think it's easier to live knowing that oh, okay, though things are different in real life, I can live in this like kind of fantasy. For me personally, I've always wanted to experience the truth, like even if that is more of a dystopian kind of world, if I was in that scenario, I would definitely try to be the, <laughs> yeah, try to free them up, I should say, like, free up society, etc. Because, like, no matter what, I would feel like, as a whole, it's better to be living in something that's real rather than, like, a simulation or a fantasy, right? Now, if it is, like, a great fantasy. Yeah. Like, The Matrix does seem pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, do you think it's possible that eventually technology will overtake us in some regard, like Terminator-esque or Matrix-esque, or do you think that, oh, we'll always have control over it? I think that's actually, in some ways, starting to happen already. Like, for example, let's take artificial intelligence, right? right. So it's not to the point where it's like, Terminator, I'm going to eliminate you, etc. <laughs> yeah. I should say there's a difference between, there are two types, like, there's general intelligence, and there is deep learning. Right. So what deep learning is, let me give you an example. I play chess, right, on the side. Right. And, like, there's a top chess player, Magnus Carlsen. So the way that works is there's, like, a FIDE rating, which is basically a chess rating. Like, if however good you are at chess, you go up on that scale. Let's say for Magnus Carlsen or Grandmasters, it would be 2,400 or higher. I think he's 2,800, something. Okay. For comparison, I am 1,200 in terms of that. So he is like really, he's really up there. Phenomenal. Like the Usain Bolt of chess. Exactly, yeah. And now let's take that to deep learning algorithms. So already like computers could beat like humans no matter what. I think that line was crossed in, 19, in the 90s, something like that. Yeah. When, they, when, he, when AI burst like the first like a grandmaster of chess yeah and then uh however recently there's google's D, uh, ai that's called DeepMind. it was recently able to beat even like the current how should i say another ai called stockfish within four hours like stockfish plays millions of millions of games and that analyzes millions of positions per second and is able to make like the best mathematically like sound move exactly okay. but for this so it would like it was like how should i say there was a difference because it's like playing against a computer right so what that meant is that they would not play like it's human like if you played the game against it, you'd be like oh what is this kind of move like this doesn't make sense to a human however right. DeepMind, google's ai recently came up with a chess program that played like a human like it was given the rule set of chess it was given like okay, this is how you move the king, this is how you move the pieces, etc. Right. Within four hours, it learned how to play chess, and it destroyed, like, Stockfish, which was the previous AI. That was sort of the top AI for chess. Exactly. Okay. And if you think about chess, that's more of a, how should I say? Strategic? Yeah, strategic game, but, like, it's mathematically sound, so maybe some people will go, like, oh, that's just chess, that's not anything bad. However... This expanded to StarCraft, which is, uh, <laughs> in StarCraft 2, I think it's a very popular game, but it's known for its complicated tactics. Yeah. 
and it's it was thought that oh like only a human can play it properly. However, DeepMind can now beat how should I say the top StarCraft players as well. Oh wow! Yeah. So hours and hours and hours of gameplay, etc., was a uh, beaten by four hours or five hours of this AI's like ability to play. So, just to round back, it's possible that eventually AI will yes. be programmed yeah. to be smart enough to overtake humanity, just not in the Terminator-esque way that we think of it. I think that depends on how we control it. Like, I should say it needs to be, as everything, like weapons, etc., it needs to be regulated. Without regulation, then I feel like it could take that kind of path because we haven't expanded into general intelligence yet. We're right. still like machine Our, learning right. algorithm, right? We're still teaching the machines. Exactly. But the machines aren't learning on their own how to yeah. play like, chess. Yeah, or even if they are, they don't know what chess is. They just know, like, I've been given this set of rules. How do we do this given this set of rules? They don't okay. understand, like, victory, etc. Okay. But yeah. So you said. Going back to the boxing, how did you get involved with the Laurier boxing team? Did you box beforehand? Did you do any martial arts beforehand? Or was it just like, this sounds fun, boxing's cool, alright, let's do it. I will say, from a young age, I've always wanted to get involved in like martial arts. Like, for right. example, the first thing for me was karate. Right. But uh, I was never able to, how should I say, find that kind of time. I had to, oh, I go into instruments at the end of the day. I didn't go into like martial arts. Right. And so that always stuck with me, though. I always wanted to learn some kind of martial art. So when I came to Laurier, I was like, oh, there's a boxing club here, right? And boxing yeah. is probably one of the most, how should I say, mm, prolific, like, martial arts. It's right. really intense. It oh, gives yeah. you that kind of workout, you know? Like, it's on par with that, something I would say, like, M MMA and stuff like oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, karate is, like, years and years upon years of, like, training. And, and memorizing like, certain moves exactly. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Memorizing all those cards and stuff. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, I'm kind of useless, but... <laughs> That's true. But, uh, yeah. But for boxing, it's just something... It's uh, There's, like, the jab. There's the cross. There's the uppercut. And there's the... Hooks. Of course, hooks, yeah. And Slipping and ducking. Yeah. All that stuff, yeah. But it's not, like, too complicated, right? It but, just depends on your body movement. It depends yeah. on how fast you can learn, etc. Mm -hmm. And you can jump into it right away. So that's why I didn't have any previous experience with martial arts, but I jumped into boxing right away, and I haven't regretted a day of it. Oh, yeah. And I find that if you didn't get a good boxer, like, it's very simple. Like you said, there's the jab, the uppercut, the cross, exactly. the hooks, all that. But if you didn't get, like, someone who's studied it for years and done the movement down, like Floyd Mayweather or yeah. Manny Pacquiao or something like that, mm -hmm. they will school most normal people. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of interesting, too. I think there was a heavyweight boxing champion recently. I forgot his name. Uh, Detone Deontay Wilder? Deontay, yes. yes. Yeah. I think there was an interesting thing about him, too, because he was involved in another sport. I think it was basketball beforehand. Yeah. But then at 21, he was able to, I think that's something unique to boxing. Like he was able to take up boxing and he was able to beat top champions right away. Mm -hmm. Not due to his superior boxing ability. I wouldn't say like he's the best boxer, but due to his like really long arms, due to his power. like And his athleticism too. Exactly. Just, from doing, just from doing basketball in the past. Like yeah. He was able to pick that up. Exactly, right. And like he was able to immediately, like how should I say that? He was known for his one-punch knockouts. Like, yeah. Even if the opponent was doing really well against him, like he would end it with a single punch. You know? 
I think that's something unique to boxing. Like, for example, for other sports, you need to have that kind of years and years of technique. With boxing, everything can change in like a minute. Yeah, you can be like it's the same with MMA. Mm-hmm. MMA and boxing is similar in that yeah. regard. Like you can be winning the entire fight. It can be in the last round, last minute, and all yeah. of a sudden he, the guy hits you right on the boxer's button exactly. and you are down. Exactly. Yeah. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, do you know? Are, do you enjoy the sciences? Like, is, what's your degree in, first off? I would say, well, my degree is in pure mathematics, but I'm right. going to go for, like, a minor in computer science and physics. So that's my kind of realm of expertise. Right. So would you say you enjoy looking into the science of sports a bit and how the mathematics can engineer into sports, into photography, which is your yeah. special? Do you enjoy that? or? Of course, yeah. Like, I would say if you can break it down, I think the interesting thing is that, like, Everything is math. Like everything can be quantified from sports to photography. X everything. Like they have rules. Like for photography, the rule of thirds. Like for sports, etc. Your reach, etc. That can be quantified into numbers and how you how hard you can punch. Like it's really interesting. That's why I took pure mathematics. Right. You can relate everything to math. If you keep that as your basis, you can really learn things in a how should I say in a way you haven't before. You can see things in a different kind of light. I would say even like the best, if you think about it, even like the best MMA fighters, etc., they're all like really smart guys. They're like oh, all yeah. accountants. They're all like, they have that kind of background behind them. They all have that math or biology background exactly, that yeah. helps them understand mm-hmm. what they're doing on a deeper level. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like, it's not just like, oh, just punch, etc. Like, there's a lot more that goes into that kind of thing. Yeah. And there's, yeah. that's why they tell boxing the sweet science. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick music break, and we'll be back with more interview right after this. Welcome back to another golden episode of the Bravo Sierra Hour. I'm here with Ash, the man behind Humans of Laurier. And I've noticed that there are a lot of accounts like yours, but they aren't you know, as in detail as yours, yeah. like there's Humans of Wilson, mm-hmm. Humans of Lass. Would you ever consider a collaboration with those guys? I think so. I would say definitely the thing with Humans of Laurier is that it's been around like two years since it was like last active, so right. we are kind of smaller than before. Like people that used to follow it don't follow it anymore because they either like graduated or lost interest. So I would say for those kind of accounts, they're more active. Like it would definitely be something I would want to collaborate with. Even if we can make it into like one big movement, and then right. have like subsidiaries, that would be nicer. I would say like, and to bring that whole like glory community together. Right. So, if what would in your perfect world, what would a collaboration between you three look like? I would say I would want to start with like humans of lads because that's I think the biggest of the three like humans of glory Wilson had. So, what that would look like is I would want to probably approach the person running I think the way they work is that they they're not like a complete humans of Laurier kind of thing like right. they post like one story of a student every week but they primarily focus on things happening at LAS and the events etc right. so I want to pair with the person working with humans of LAS and then ask them to collaborate with humans of Laurier and maybe like spread the word for humans of Laurier etc right. and then for that with that way I would get more exposure and I would bring more people back onto like the original movement right and then from there we could like expand and then we can reach all of Laurier rather than because 
like Laz is just for mostly business students. It's not. It doesn't include everybody at Laurier. Yeah, it's not involving the languages department. Exactly. The history arts, department. Yeah. yeah. The music department. Mm-hmm. If it has a focus on business, etc., which is yeah. great for like the students at Laz, but I feel like the greater community is more isolated or left yeah. over. Just know? as not all of us are smart enough to get into business <laughs> or mathematics like you. No, 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 not at all, not at all. It's just a matter of interest, right? Right. Because yeah. for me, like, I love mathematics, but I couldn't, I can't do bio at all. Like, I can't do, I really tried, but I, it really wasn't something I clicked. At the end of the day, it's just whatever clicks with you. Yeah, and everyone has their own skills, right? Like, exactly. for you, you're an amazing photographer, mm-hmm. you're great at math, mm-hmm. but for me, I can't do that. You have different skills, exactly. right? Exactly. Parts of different things. You're a part of different things, like Radio Laurier. That's, yeah. that's your thing. You know? I can interview people all day, and I can, exactly. and I know how to choke a man out in three different martial arts. So <laughs> that's all Whoa. I need to know. <laughs> well, that's kind of interesting to hear. Like, what kind of martial arts are you part of? Uh, I, so I started off in karate, just like oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then uh, I went to, then I got my orange belt, and then they switched places for the dojo, so I was like, ooh, yeah. I can't make it out to Kitchener every Monday, because yeah. I was like in grade 8 and 9, I, sure, I didn't yeah. did karate from grade 8 to grade yeah. 9, and I was like, I can't make it out to Kitchener, yeah. so I went to my YMCA, and I did Taekwondo and Judo there, Oh, whoa, okay. and then um, I was like, you know what, Taekwondo, I got my blue belt in Taekwondo, green belt oh. in Judo, mm-hmm. and then I was like, you know what, this is fun, Yeah. but then I saw UFC 1. Mm-hmm. And there was this 165-pound guy called Hoist Gracie, yeah. who beat everyone who was like 200 pounds plus with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I want to learn that, please. <laughs> so I just walked into this gym called Mass Martial Arts. Okay. And they taught Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. Oh, wow. So then I went in there. I was like, teach me. They are like, do you have any martial arts experience? I was like, I've done Judo, Taekwondo, Karate. <laughs> they were like, okay, sweet. And also in middle school, I did a bit of wrestling. But, oh, you wow. know. I would... I think that's an interesting question. Like, how would you say something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu compares to wrestling or Judo? Well, obviously, Judo is actually the parent martial art of okay. Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what happened was, uh, I forget who taught it. Uh, someone taught it to a Japanese guy, because that's where Judo is from. A Japanese guy taught mm-hmm. it to uh, a Korean. Okay. And then he was like, hmm, this is good, because Judo is pretty primarily a throwing sport, whereas yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is more on the ground, so he yeah. was like, okay. So then the Koreans sort of honed it so it was more on the ground, rolling around submissions. Okay. Then they brought it over to a to Brazil and taught it to the Gracie family. Okay. The Gracie family made it so that smaller people like myself mm-hmm. could go in and say, okay, here's a 265-pound guy who's trying to kick my butt. <laughs> I want to know how to defend myself. And then they're like, okay, they modified it so that they could defend themselves. Yeah. Then they made the UFC... And we got from there. Oh, now, wow. wrestling is also very good. If you want to become an MMA fighter or just a more complete fighter, I would say boxing, wrestling, and kickboxing are probably your three martial arts that you want to train in. Yeah? Yeah, just because if you get a great boxer who also knows some wrestling, mm-hmm. you're set. Or a great wrestler who knows some bo- who knows how to throw a hook and a jab Fair, yeah. and all that stuff, then yeah. it's not, you're not going to have a hard time being <laughs> that person. Yeah. So you wouldn't say BJJ or like Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I'd say like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, after you have a basic understanding of takedowns and maybe like you know how to do an arm bar, then I would say you want to go into Jiu-Jitsu. Fair, fair. But I'll, I wouldn't deter anyone from saying, okay, I don't know any martial arts. Yeah. 
I want to learn martial art, I'd say, yeah, go for it. If you want to do jiu-jitsu, go right ahead. Yeah. I ain't stopping you. It's a great <laughs> martial art. You can learn how to kill people with your bare hands. Fair, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, also, I would say, but if you want to become a MMA fighter, okay, and not just, you know, defend yourself, but fight yeah. in a cage with other people, I'd say boxing, wrestling, mm-hmm. and kickboxing, any form of kickboxing, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, anything like that. Fair. Those yeah. are your bases for MMA, UFC, that sort of thing. Fair, yeah. Third of the way there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like almost there. If we did yeah. a Laurier wrestling team, you are set, my friend. Yes. Oh, man. Would you ever consider going into that sort of thing? Like maybe being an MMA photographer? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I would say if the opportunity exists, like I'd go for it. Even for the boxing fight, right? Yeah. I want to cover that. I want to, how should I say, I want to make sure I can cover the press conference and the fight itself. I mm-hmm. think that would be. Interesting. So if Laurie gets more of those opportunities, then for sure, like I all but encourage you. Now, do you know who's going to be fighting on that boxing card? I not right now. I would say that's going to be confirmed in a couple of weeks. I say I should say it's not like completely confirmed, but right. the idea is there. Okay. And do you have any people that you would definitely want to see go out there from Laurie Boxing Club and just brawl it out with someone else? Oh, for sure. Like I would say the neat thing about the boxing club is that there are people of all kinds of sizes like right. there are people that are 100 and there are guys that are 100 like 10 pounds versus yeah. a guy that i think there was a guy that was six three or six four he was like 200 plus pounds so Oof. and uh to see and those are different kind of kinds of fights too right yeah. like the smaller guy it's, it, it's not like it's worse it's just like they're more technical and stuff. technical yeah and faster like he's yeah. so much faster but when you see like the big guy slug it out, you go like, "Oh, what am I even doing in like boxing?" It's like it is so, Ooh. yeah, Ooh. <clears throat> and like that's the importance of weight classes too, right? Oh yeah, one person actually, or it's really easy to get like concussions, etc. You know? Oh yeah, I actually I saw that happen. Like I got one person got a uh, knocked out, you know? Yeah, and then he got like a concussion, not through boxing, not through warrior boxing, but like in general. Like, yeah. That's the importance. It's it's kind of different, like the stylistic differences between like heavyweights and lightweights. It's really yeah. neat to see. Oh yeah, and I mean CTE with concussions is like oh, so big right now. Like with that new movie story. with uh, Will Smith that came out a couple of years ago, the the football concussion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, after that, I feel like football, yeah. boxing, MMA. They were like, ooh, yeah. maybe we should make this a bit safer. Exactly. Oh, that's a neat note too, because I actually do. Football photography too for like okay. Lori's football team. Oh yeah, and in fact, it's a I have it today as well. Like after, <laughs> and like three to five, etc. They always practice, and right. it's neat to see like the different kind of athleticism there too. Like I'm a boxer, I may go like, oh, this is really hard. This is really hardcore, and it is right. Yeah. It's not like it's easy. It's not like any schmuck off the street can just walk in and say, I'm gonna be a pro boxer. Come exactly. at me. Exactly. Exactly. But then you realize, oh. That's the same thing for, like, football, too, because, like, yeah. maybe it's not, like, a complete combat sport, but the kind of injuries you can get from football and, like, oh, can yeah. rival boxing or maybe even outclass boxing sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you have 200-pound-plus guys just running at each other, like, full force. Exactly. And so that can really mess you up, especially with, as you said, like, CTE. And, yeah. But, yeah, like, overall, it's a really interesting sport, like, to see how like the players seriousness like to see their 
kind of motivation towards yeah. football and to see like the whole like boxing's a solo sport right? yeah it's not like, a like team you, kind of you could have a team backing you exactly. training you but then today if you don't perform yeah it's on you exactly right you're the one fighting the dream. you're the yeah. one representing yourself but if you think about football that's like a movement that's like yeah. a team effort like everybody has to be you're only as good as like the weakest member on your team yeah. right you're all moving as a unit you are exactly. all one if one of you fails your entire team is just exactly yeah that's completely true like so to see the differences between boxing and say football it's really neat you know like Mm -hmm. shows like how much diversity there is just in like the athletic world itself Uh, and i actually had uh, one of the football players uh on a couple weeks ago he's actually a hot he's uh runs hot talks it's another show on laurier Mm -hmm. jothan Safari. i don't know if you ever met him i don't think i know him by name but Sorry, continue. Yeah, and he was talking about the intense training that those yeah. guys go through. Like, he was telling me, like, the first time he tried out, he had to wake up, like, 6 a.m., come mm-hmm. from Cambridge to Waterloo in order to do, like, a 7.30 training. You yeah. know, it is <laughs> intense. I, I, I got to agree. Like, even if I were to compare it, I would say that uh, football training is probably worse than, like, boxing training, at least at yeah. this kind of level. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my God, like, they go They so go intense. hard. Yeah. <laughs> now, between boxing and – I know we said that boxing, uh, football might surpass boxing as far as injuries go, but which would you say is more dangerous in the long run? Like, I know we've seen damage on both sides. But for the brain and stuff, like concussions, what, what do you think is more dangerous, football or boxing? Oh, maybe I would say overall – that's a good question. Well, I would say probably boxing because uh, yeah. football is really bad, and especially they're starting to see it now, like cases of CTE popping up in older players. Yeah. And it's only getting worse with how they're training. It's like they're going harder and harder, right? So it's right. becoming more of a commonplace. But if you think of a boxing, what's more common boxing? Like the thing is with football, primarily your end goal is to get the ball to the other side of the field, right? Yeah. It's not to hurt the other guy. Exactly. That happens in the process, but that's not the main goal. Right. And there are penalties for, like, if you severely injure people. For boxing, your main goal is to get points and, like, knock out the other player. Yeah. So, with boxing, the thing is, it also, it has the CT, it has those kind of brain injuries. On top of that, there are spontaneous severe injuries. Like, for example, let's say... There was a case, I think, a couple of years ago where, or even I think there was a case this year as well, like there was a Montreal boxer, sure. and then a, a fighter fought against him, and then with one punch, he put him into a coma. Like, Ooh. he was a experienced fighter. He knew what he was doing, et cetera, but still, he got put into a coma with that one punch. Like, in boxing, it's really easy for things to change just to, like, the snap of a finger. Oh, yeah. And especially, and there was another case a couple of years ago where person was fighting him, like a person was fighting another person, and then uh, with one punch, he was put into a childlike state. Like he was a he was a renowned boxer. He had like that kind of experience. He was known as like oh, an upstart. Like he can change things, etc. Right. But he's gonna change the sport. Exactly. Yeah. And like an ace of like the boxing world. But right. with one punch, like he was put into a childlike state. He was like oh, I have a headache. Like something's wrong. And then he stopped fighting. After a couple days, he got much worse. He got put into a coma, and when he got out of that coma, he was no more than four, like, 
mental. Mental. Like function, his whole life. function at all as like mm -hmm. a regular human being? Or? Exactly, yeah. He was functioning as like a four-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And even if you see like the greats, like let's say Muhammad Ali, like yeah. for him, like there's no parallel, of course. Yeah, like, like he was greatest he, of all yeah, time. The greatest, right? That's what they call him. Like, yeah. And for other sports, they recognize him as the greatest. Yeah. Uh, for his work inside and outside of boxing. But besides that, if you look at the difference between him in his prime versus him in his later years, you can see, of course, he had, like, Parkinson's, but, like, yeah. boxing really accelerated that. Like, he oh, was yeah. on, like, a... He was such a charism like charismatic guy, right? Like, he would he always face the interviews. Everybody best trash talker in exactly. the world. Like, any trash talker nowadays yeah. in sports has some influence from yeah. him. People love to hate him, but, like, now he's only known for, like, the legend that he was, yeah. right? But if you compare that to, let's say, his 2000s interview, etc., like, interviews he did, like, recently, before he passed away, uh, yeah. there's really such a difference, you know? Like, even with the, the way he's shaking, the way he's not able to answer, somebody who had, like, the fast, like, one-second punch yeah. could barely do that you know like it's oh. really it's scary to see it so, you know? yeah although my favorite Muhammad Ali quote of all time he was uh, I forget who was I think it was Joe Frazier who was fighting yeah. he says if he even dreams of beating me he better wake up come to my house and apologize <laughs> I was just like when I saw that clip I was like well damn <laughs> okay then he was so creative you know? oh yeah trash talk meant like a whole different level for him oh yeah and like you see guys nowadays like they're just popping off swear words, every exactly. other word and stuff. But yeah. he, I don't think he ever swore once, yet he has some of the best insults of all time. And it's exactly. just great. And, like, things that actually got to their opponent, right? Like, yeah. it's easy to say, like, F you, whatever, right? But yeah. the thing is, like, he doesn't get to the person. They just go, like, okay, I okay. brush this off, whatever. But yeah. in comparison to Muhammad Ali, like, the things that he said, they stuck with people. Yeah. Like, what was his famous quote, like, Float like a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah. George can't hit what his eyes can't see. That was his famous fight against uh, George Foreman. Exactly. Yeah. And that stuck with Foreman, like his whole like career. You yeah. Know? Then then he knocks out all his kids and starts making. Then he <laughs> then Muhammad Ali knocks him out and he starts making barbecues. So it's like <laughs> exactly. Oh man. So it's just it, like for, for him, like that's why he's known as the greatest, right? Oh yeah. He was everything. Able to he was, he was so good with his words, but at the same time, he had he was able to back it up. Like, the equivalent yeah. I would draw today is, like, Conor McGregor in MMA. Fair, yeah. Like, he's a good trash talker. Granted, swears a bit more than yeah. Mayweather and probably drinks a bit more whiskey, but yeah. he's a phenomenal fighter, mm -hmm. and he's able, and he, he'll turn around, like, in a press conference, I don't know if you saw this, but he was talking, and then this other guy calls him out and says, you know where the real fight is? Just back here. Oh, yeah. Conor yeah. Rogers just turns around and says, who the yeah. beep is that guy? And in that moment, he just decimated that guy's yeah. career. That's true. Actually, that's an interesting point. On that note, what do you think of the recent fight of Conor versus Khabib? Oh, that one. You see, I, I'm a fan of both fighters. Okay. I love Conor McGregor because he can trash talk and back it up. Mm -hmm. I love Khabib, but he's, he will just stare at you and steal your soul yeah. when he wrestles you. Like, in jiu-jitsu, we call it stealing your soul. I can just lie on you, and you make a little sound like, <gasps> and that's the moment. I steal your soul. Khabib is phenomenal at that. Yeah. So as much as I wanted Connor to win, I was like, okay, Khabib's just going to take him down, 
and just wrestle him to death. So I was like, okay. I sort of saw that. When he lost, I was like, eh. Sort of saw that coming, unfortunately. Yeah. But what about you? Are you a big MMA guy? Or? Yeah. Recently, I would say. Especially yeah. when I got into boxing. Oh, yeah. And, like, the Khabib versus Connor fight, that was an interesting point for me, too. Because, like, it shows different sides of the sport. Like, oh, yeah. If you see Connor's approach, like, very no loose. Yeah. And no matter where you go, like, you can't see. Like, people love to hate him, right? Like, yeah. Like, no matter what, like, you can say you love Connor, you hate Connor, but you can't ignore Connor. No, oh, for sure. That, I think that's the best way to describe it. Like, you, yeah. can, you can love him or hate him, but you can't ignore him no matter exactly. what. And, like, for Khabib, he takes, like, the opposite approach. He, there is no, like, at least, maybe not in this fight, but there is no trash talking from him in yeah. general. He goes, like, this is a gentleman's sport. We should yeah. act, like, with respect. We should respect each other. And another great guy I think for that was George St. Pierre. Oh, of course. Like, he would yeah. come in with a suit, dressed mm-hmm. all classy. Even with his fight against Michael's Bisping, he still yeah. wore a suit, was such a gentleman. And I think that we need a mix of both in, like, boxing and yeah. in MMA. Like, we need the trash doctors, of course, because mm-hmm. those guys are out of the fight. They still need the gentlemen because mm-hmm. it's a gentleman's sport. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Now, which would you say? Do you have a preference, MMA or boxing, or do you like both equally? I would say that's. I think the cool thing about uh, MMA, well, if, I think we can't compare them like fighting-wise. I would say yeah. an MMA fighter will 100% beat a boxer every time. Like okay. given a free fight, like yeah. not a not a boxing no. fight, like, like it, in non-restricted rules, like exactly. a street fight. Yeah, not like Conor McGregor versus like For, Mayweather. Yeah, yeah which we saw, and Mayweather just yeah. kicked his butt around of the ring. Because like yeah. no matter what, like. Because Floyd's a phenomenal boxer, exactly. and Connor's an MMA fighter, so... Exactly, yeah. Obviously, Floyd's gonna win. Mm-hmm. But if Floyd came to Octagon, that's a different story. Yeah, now <laughs> you're in Connor's world, he can take you down, he can exactly. leg kick you, he can do all that stuff. Yeah. And the cool thing about MMA is that it's more of a recent movement, right? Like, if yeah. you think about boxing, it's been around for, I think, 100, like 100 years, something. Like Over 100 right? years, exactly. Easy. And uh, MMA is more... Twenty. Uh, it started in nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, so just so over twenty years old. Yeah. yeah, it's very recent, right? But it's exploded in popularity because I think the coolest thing about MMA is just to see how easily somebody can turn things around, and not only yeah. that, but utilize their previous fighting background. Like with boxing, of course, you're just going to have two very technical boxer fighters, and whoever is the better boxer. Yeah, who's going to mess with their hands? Exactly. If they get a lucky break, then that's good for them. Yeah. But with MMA, it's just like some people come with a karate background. Some people come with like Shaolin, like Kung Fu, yeah. you know? Some, some guys come with a wrestling background. Exactly. Some come with Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And to put that all into one sport and go like, hey, like you learn whatever you want to learn. And then you use it on the fighting day. That's really interesting. I would say okay. that's like a more of an evolution of the sport like boxing is more of a stationary thing it's probably yeah. the biggest combat sport but it's not going yeah. to evolve further but if you think about mma it's always constantly evolving like yeah. constantly changing like in the beginning it was just different disciplines like mm-hmm. a wrestler versus a boxer exactly but now it's like a wrestler slash boxer slash jiu-jitsu fighter exactly. against the karate slash kung fu yeah. slash judo fighter yeah exactly and then like when the person loses they go like let's say it was a judo person against a BJJ person just like, yeah. in terms of like a uh, example and then the 
he loses against a BJJ person, he goes like, oh, shoot, like, it's not like boxing where it's just like, oh, i got to train harder, i got to, like, yeah, throw my crosses, like, harder. Like, so it's better, like, faster, stuff like that. Yeah. But in MMA, it's more like, hey, the way he took me down, they don't have that in judo. I'm going to incorporate that into my training and make sure this never happens again. That way I can defend against them in the future and exactly. it's not a better fight. Yeah, exactly. Like, the coolest thing about MMA, the thing that stands out, is the cross-application of disciplines. You yeah. Know? Like, if you're a good boxer, you can mix that in with Muay Thai, and then you can be, like, a good kickboxer as exactly. well. Exactly. And then you can learn a little wrestling, and exactly. it's like, oh, suddenly you're suddenly you're winning belts and exactly. taking over the world. Yeah. So it's really, it's like a constantly evolving sport. I think with uh, Khabib's win over Connor, we'll see more wrestling-oriented moves yeah. like for Connor, etc. You know? And then a good boxer come along and he'll sort of knock out Khabib, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see more boxing incorporated. Exactly. And then, yeah. And then it, it's forever evolving into yeah. like a better sport. So I'm really excited to see what box, sorry, MMA will become. Yeah. Well, I love talking to you. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap it up. We've got sure, another yeah. show coming on soon, and he For needs sure. to set his stuff up. Anything, any last few words you want to add to the folks? I would say uh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this talk. And uh, for any of you viewers or listeners out there, follow Humans of Laurier. We have great things coming up, and it's only going to get better. And they have already great stories on there, so if you missed a post you can go back there and read all the amazing stories on that love having you on ash thank you thanks for having me see you next week folks